For over 50 years, people have relied on Village Green Apothecary to give them individualized nutrition, pharmacy, and healthy living products. Village Green provides you with the kind of personalized help and attention that mass market pharmacies have long ago forgotten. You can depend on us for knowledge, experience, product selection, customer service, and a smile. Visit Village Green in Bethesda at 5415 West Cedar Lane or call us at 301-530-0800 or go to our website at myvillagegreen.com. We're here to help you. Welcome listeners to the Essentials of Healthy Living on 1500 AM brought to you by Village Green Apothecary located at 5415 West Cedar Lane in Bethesda, Maryland. I'm Dana Lake, and I alternate the show with Dr. Kevin Passaro, and we do try to bring you a lot of good information all about you and your health. This is a reminder that Village Green is your resource for questions about your health via the website and the store on Cedar Lane. You get expert advice on supplements, and they do carry a superior line of supplements from many manufacturers, including their own Pathway products. Now, I want to tell you about something exciting. It's called IQU, I-Q-Y-O-U. And this is, this is a wonderful uh, result of many years of putting information together. Dr. Joe Pizzorno and his team of leading experts put the AI tool together for you and your health and your practitioners to know more about you. It helps you better understand your unique nutrient needs, toxicity levels, disease risks, and genetic susceptibilities by assessing your diet and lifestyle habits, lab results, and genomics. IQU provides you with a personalized, individualized action plan for improving and maintaining optimum health. The information is yours, and you can share it with your health care practitioners. So visit iqyouhealth.com to receive your complete blueprint of your health. Now, today we will be speaking with Katie Mora, registered dietitian, and we're going to talk about gut health from a functional medicine perspective. But before we do that, since it is Autism Awareness Month, I wanted to talk to you a little bit about that. I know we've covered some of this from time to time in the shows. I want to discuss that the evolution of autism theory started out as being blamed on cold-hearted mothers. And that stuck for way too long. And it prevented a, people taking a serious look at autism and its uniquenesses. So then it got a label that was just educational psychiatric disorders and has moved to where we are in the present, biomedical disease. And the paradigm shift is significant. First of all, let's look at the incidents. When I was first interested in this subject about 30 to 40 years ago, there were one out of 2,000 who had autism. One out of 2,000 children had autism. That cascaded pretty rapidly to one out of 500. And when it hit one out of 500, I thought, well, this is really going too rapidly. Then it dropped to one out of 250, one out of 100, and it has 
increased in frequency to now one out of 45 children are diagnosed with autism. And some people out there may be thinking, oh, the diagnosis has just gotten broader. It has to a small extent, but not to justify this kind of increase. So let's talk about what autism actually is. It's a multifaceted condition, which includes the consequences of environmental impact on gene variants and gene expression. I've used this term many times before, environmental modification of gene expression. And what results from that is dysfunctions in the following. Barrier integrity, inflammation, immunity, GI functions, metabolism and biochemistry, and neurological function. So there is a cluster of symptoms and systems involved. All of this results in impaired responses to surroundings, stimuli, foods, food components, toxins, artificial additives, pesticides, medications, and drugs. Now, the American Academy of Pediatrics has redirected their focus. They have directed pediatricians to become knowledgeable in complementary alternative treatments for autism, including dietary and nutritional interventions. Now, let's talk a little bit more about autism risks. First of all, there's some genetics in either or both parents. Uh, what do we see? Autism, OCD, obsessive compulsive disorder, psychiatric conditions, fragile X, Tourette's, Down syndrome, seizures, developing delay, developmental delays, and defects in MTHFR and sulfation. MTHFR has to do with neurological brain uh, function and structure. Sulfation has to do with ridding toxins in the body. Autoimmunity in the family history is also a problem. More specifically, maternal is susceptibility to chemicals which can cause birth defects. Low glutathione, which has to do with getting rid of toxins. So if the mother has a problem ridding toxins, the risk for the increased risk for autism is significant in the child. And also, if the mom has the MTHFR, methylene tetrahydrofolate reductase gene, there's a greater impact. Now, there's a, the child's genetic issues are also part of the risk. Uh, cerebral folate deficiency, this is not uncommon in autism. Remember, there are many subsets of autism. COMT gene interactions, this has to do with methylation, as does MTHFR, which I just mentioned, and also sulfation variants. So congenital disorders are also increase, increase the risk, and brain DNA polyomovirus, which is a very specific virus that affects the brain. So there are many Many conditions in the family history and in the parental history and in the developing child's history.
So autism deficiencies and defects. First of all, every child's unique, and we treat each child uniquely. But what we find are some patterns that we tend to see. Specifically, low magnesium. I would say that's probably one of the major deficiencies. And magnesium affects mood, mind, memory, muscles, metabolism, and bowel movements. Zinc is next, and zinc is often deficient. And it's, it's interrelated to the accumulation of toxins in the body. So as a child tries to rid toxins... There is difficulty because the zinc is low due to the accumulation of toxic metals due to interferences or insufficiencies in getting rid of toxins via sulfation and other kinds of mechanisms that we have. I call them mini disposals. We have mini disposals that help us rid toxins. Selenium is part of that, so selenium deficiency is not uncommon. Iron deficiency is not uncommon because as individuals are exposed to toxic metals, iron can be deficient. So there's an antagonism of toxic metals to healthy minerals. Calcium deficiency can also be seen. Vitamins, vitamin A, D3, biotin, B vitamins, and deficiencies in the omega-3 fatty acids, extremely important in brain structure and function. Coenzyme Q10, TMG and DMG, these are part of methylation. Amino acid deficiencies, carnitine deficiencies, taurine deficiencies, and glutathione, which I mentioned before. Now, the gene and gene expression, methylation defects are not uncommon. In, in mothers who have uh, children that or babies that become autistic or have autism, folate defects, not uncommon. Sulfation, detoxification problems, not uncommon. Others, there's a unique subset that has a very low cholesterol, and that's not healthy because the brain, 65% of the dry weight of the brain is cholesterol. Also, there's malabsorption syndromes and the accumulation, as I mentioned, of toxic metals. Mercury, lead, cadmium, copper, arsenic, there can be many others. So what... What do we look at additionally in the perinatal risk factors surrounding birth? If there's hypoxia, oxytocin deficiency, that's the hormone that brings on labor, synthetic oxytocin use in order to, to start labor and start contractions, less than 35 weeks gestation, obstetric complications of any kind, breach position, birth trauma, low birth weight, low APGAR at five minutes, that is a measure of the status of the child, conception in the winter, we don't always know why that's the case, we know in the winter vitamin D can be deficient, males have more frequency of autism than females, being firstborn, don't understand why that is one of the risk factors, Early frequent vaccines and early frequent medications, thimerosal, the mercury, 
in many of the medications. Fragile X syndrome, neurofibromatosis, seizures, certain viruses, and something called Mobius syndrome. Now, what happens is it's total load. It's not any one situation. It's like straws that break the camel's back. Which straw did it? It's the total load on the camel and how resilient is the camel. So we're talking about resilience versus total load. So I think we've covered a lot of good information. I'll be talking about this throughout April so you can learn a little bit more about autism, how it's treated. We say autism is treated. Recovery is possible. I love that statement. And I just want to remind those of you who've just tuned in, I'm Dana Lake, your host for the hour. We've been talking about autism in Autism Awareness Month. That's what April is. Stay with us. We'll be right back after this break, and we'll be talking with Katie Mora on gut health from a functional medicine perspective. Solgar Number no. 7 can help you feel the difference. Solgar Number no. 7 actually shows improvement in joint comfort within seven days. Now you can start to get back on track fast and pursue the activities you love. Solgar Number no. 7 is a breakthrough in joint care with no glucosamine and no chondroitin. The advanced bioactives in Solgar Number no. 7 help to increase flexibility, mobility, and range of motion within seven days. One capsule once a day is all you need. When stiff joints occasionally say no, Solgar Number no. 7 says yes. Solgar Number no. 7, available at Village Green Apothecary. New from Garden of Life, Kind Organics Whole Food Multivitamins. They are the only USDA certified organic, non-GMO verified whole food multivitamins available. They're gluten-free, certified vegan, and feature a patent-pending clean tablet technology. Kind Organics is super clean, untreated, unadulterated, and real whole food. Kind Organics Multivitamins from Garden of Life. Be kind to your body and the earth. Kind Organics, now available at Village Green Apothecary and online at myvillagegreen.com. Pure Defense with NAC offers a unique blend of hypoallergenic nutrients and herbal extracts designed to support overall immune defense and upper respiratory health. The product features Epicor fermentate, elderberry, and N-acetyl L-cysteine, nutrients and flavonoids for enhancing first-line immune defense. Pure Defense with NAC can be found at Village Green Apothecary and online at myvillagegreen.com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. These products are not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Staying mentally sharp means nourishing the mind as well as the body. That's why there's new Cognosure from Metagenics. Research shows that the active natural ingredient in Cognosure supports multiple mechanisms necessary for maintaining healthy cognition and a healthy brain as it ages. Cognosure is also easy to take in delicious, chewable chocolate tablets. Have a clear and bright future by maintaining mental capacity with healthy habits and Cognosure. Remember Cognosure for healthy brain aging support. Available through your healthcare professional and Village Green Apothecary. I'm Mark Isaacson, owner of Village Green Apothecary in Bethesda, the most unique pharmacy in the country. You are unique, and at Village Green, we treat you this way. At Village Green, our passion is personalization and getting the root cause of health conditions. Guidance on foods, nutrients, and pharmaceuticals to empower you with personalized recommendations just for you. For over 50 years, customers have depended on advice from our expert team of pharmacists and clinical nutritionists. Visit Village Green in Bethesda or online at myvillagegreen.com. Welcome back, listeners, to the second segment of The Essentials of Healthy Living on 1500 AM, brought to you by Village Green Apothecary at 5415 
West Cedar Lane in Bethesda, Maryland. I'm Dana Lake, and I alternate the show with Dr. Kevin Passaro. We're here every Sunday morning at 10 a.m., and I'll be here with you next Sunday with more information on nutrition and healthy living. Now, our guest today is Katie Mora, registered dietitian, and she is a forward-thinking functional medicine practitioner. I like to say that very succinctly. It's so, it's so welcoming that the term functional medicine has become mainstream. And I've been doing this for almost 50 years, and functional medicine was just a quizzical comment. Now it's mainstream. Now, our subject today is gut health from a functional medicine perspective, including discussions of SIBO food sensitivities, leaky gut, candida, and parasites. And we're going to cover as much as we can. I want to introduce you to our speaker. Katie Mora is, as I said, a forward-thinking functional medicine practitioner, and she has a master's in science. She's a registered dietitian and licensed dietitian nutritionist. Now, she is very interesting. She likes to focus and address the root causes of individuals' autoimmunity, IBS, SIBO, food intolerances, leaky gut, amongst many other diagnoses. And she currently practices in Bethesda, Maryland, and is the co-founder and host of the Gut Honest Truth podcast on iTunes, where sarcasm and wit meet honesty and tackling the elephants in the room around your health and well-being. Katie graduated from the State University of New York as a bachelor's degree in psychology, a minor in biology, and following completion of her degree, she chose to follow a passion by pursuing a master's degree in nutrition at Sage Graduate School in upstate New York. Katie completed her functional medicine training at the Institute for Functional Medicine and has been a featured author on Mind Body Green, Man Repeller, and The Vitamin Shop. Welcome to the show, Katie. Thanks for having me. Yes, you, you know a lot of my colleagues since you have had the opportunity to participate in Institute for Functional Medicine courses and training. So uh, it's nice to speak with you, and I'm looking forward to what you have to share with us. Let's get started on gut health and give some basics first, and then we will keep going deeper, so to speak, as we cover more about the microbiome and different conditions in the gut. Sounds great. So start uh, with a basic, um, sort of basic overview of the gut, the microbiome, what this all means. Sure. So we could talk about this for, for days, I'm sure. But the, the way we look at it in functional medicine is that the microbiome, first of all, controls about 70% of your immune system. So that plays a huge role in what I consider every, you know, chronic illness and fatigue, wellness, autoimmune triggers. So we want to kind of start there in our practice and make sure that the gut's functioning well. Otherwise, in my opinion, nothing else will function well in the body. Well, that's so we're looking true. At things of, yeah. So we're looking at everything from the bacterial balances to uh, candida, yeast overgrowth, and digestive output and kind of structural issues. So we really try to dive in deep. 
Yes, we do. So <laughs> describe what the term microbiome means. We use that, but sometimes I think we need to define yeah. it for listeners. Sure. So simplistically to me, it's all the bugs that are living in your gut, whether it's in unison, the bad, the good, what's balancing each other and what quantities. So there's tons of viruses, parasites, yeast overgrowth, and bacterial balances that you're looking for in someone's gut. And they'll have to play fairly with each other for something to be working properly. Yes, I like that. And it's a community. And I like the word you used, balance, because it's not that every single individual bug, microbe, uh, stands alone. It's part of the community and getting out of balance. I like to use the metaphor of a teeter-totter, that we want balanced, mm. not that we want all of one kind and none of the other. Uh, exactly. So, first of all, let's talk about what disturbs the microbiome from being healthy and why modern people today in Western cultures mm. have about 25% of the actual species they should have as compared to natural cultures. Uh, so we're not very cultured. <laughs> no, no, no. Yeah, that, I mean, there are an abundance of reasons, but some of the main ones that come to mind is, in, especially in the U.S., we overuse antibiotics like crazy. If, you know, we kind of don't wait things out, see if something might be a viral infection that will go away in a couple of weeks and we slap on an antibiotic, which will kill the good and the bad for up to like six months it will take to fix that. So that's a huge issue. Um, I also think about how poor the quality of our food has become. So the soil that we're using, the way that we're mass producing and cropping and using pesticides is all going to affect the way that our body is able to utilize nutrients and feed the bacteria in our gut. So what we eat, our bacteria eat, if we're not eating the things that the good bacteria like, we're not going to have that um, portion of our gut kind of functioning. And I also think about all the different things, like one of the most overprescribed medications in the U.S. is uh, proton pump inhibitors. So people yes. might know this is like a Meprazol or Nexium. You can get, you know, the purple pill over the counter. And that right there is going to shut down someone's digestive function, leading to a slew of overgrowth of bacteria and parasitic infections. So you're kind of setting people up. So the medication use, the diet, that kind of, those are the two big ones to me. And then stress. <laughs> Let's stress not forget <laughs> stress. <laughs> no one likes to go for that one and they don't like to address that one as much. But the mental health component, everybody in America is chronically stressed. So if we're chronically stressed, that does further shut down your digestive output, like that acid production I'm talking about, which is going to set you up for being exposed to things like parasites. You know, I'm so glad that you mentioned these and the PPIs and other mm -hmm. acid reducers really mm -hmm. interfere with the absorption yeah. of all of the nutrients. And yeah. very few medical practitioners understand this. They were really intended for short-term use. And that is yeah. not how they have been. Uh, that's not what we're seeing. And I noted maybe starting 10, 20 years ago mm -hmm. that I would get referrals for children that had failure to thrive that since birth were put on some acid reducer, PPI, mm -hmm. and they weren't growing because the zinc was low. They're they not were, absorbing. <laughs> they, they were fragile. 
And I was fortunate enough to meet some doctors in a local pediatric uh, practice that caught this immediately. The minute that those percentiles changed, they had that child at at my office and some of my colleagues. And I was so impressed, I called them up. I said, you're the only ones I've dealt with that are actually catching this and paying attention to it early on. Why, you know, why do those percentiles in height and weight if you're not going to use them for, for information? So uh, it's this whole issue is very close to my heart since I tend to focus on children. And I don't think most people realize when a child is four and they've been, let's say they've only been on it for two years, that's half their life. Yeah. When when the growth is the is so significant and important. So let's keep talking about the microbiome. Is there anything else we want to talk about as far as antagonism to the microbiome? I know I can think of the lack of fermented foods, but there's oh, much, many other. So just carry the conversation forward. Yeah. So, well, the fermented foods is interesting because, I mean, for the listeners out there that don't even know what a fermented food is, we're really looking at um, what people think of as probiotics coming through food sources rather than supplements. So things like kimchi, kombucha, uh, kefir, yogurt. So, the, the problem with these also is that they're all loaded with sugar in our in our society. So they're all just, you go buy a kombucha, and unless you're really reading a label, you can get something that has like 30 grams of sugar in it, which is outrageous to me. So you're trying to produce, you know, produce good bugs in your gut, but then you're causing potentially like yeast overgrowth by consuming a high-sugar diet, which yes. is a huge problem, right? So the sad American diet is full of no fiber, no nutrients, and just a ton of carbohydrates and empty calories. So, you know, that alone with what we're choosing to eat is going to affect what what we're able to produce in our gut, bacterial-wise and yeast-wise. And I, so think, I think that that's important. It is important. And I'm also reminded that children naturally put things in their mouths, and parents mm-hmm. try to stop that with a plug, Mm -hmm. a pacifier. Mm -hmm. And that's how children culture themselves. But the problem is much of which many of the things they're putting in their mouths are not good for them. In Mm -hmm. native cultures, kids are putting rocks in their mouth and spitting it out. Uh, That sounds odd to us, but that's how children culture themselves. What, What can people do when they have an, an infant and a toddler, what can they do to promote healthy, healthy uh, activities around the child, healthy items, healthy toys? Can you talk about that a little bit? Yeah, I mean, the, children are, the way I think about that, kind of backing up a little bit even, is to me, a lot of what mom does is going to obviously influence what the child is. So you're passing a lot of your microbiome on. So in my practice, I see all the time when I have families that what's wrong with mom and, you know, potentially dad is what's honestly going on in the child's gut. So they come in, one has yeast overgrowth, they all have yeast overgrowth. Um, that's coming from multiple factors. But so what you're, what that, if you're still breastfeeding, what you're eating is kind of influencing your child there through the foods and through the gut. Um, I also think about, we're, I'm, you're essentially talking about the hygiene hypothesis, which 
is a big issue. We're, we're just like the antibiotic thing we were referring to. We're cleaning everything. So we're using antivirals and antibacterial wipes on everything. And rather than more maybe natural things to prevent things like flu virus and stuff from your toys and things like that. But we don't need to use bleach and sanitize everything. So there's nothing to, you know, develop an immunity against. Well said. Well said, Katie. And we're going to talk more about this in the next segment. If you've just tuned in with us, you're with the Essentials of Healthy Living. I'm Dana Lake, your host for the hour. Stay with us. We'll be right back after this break with more interesting information from Katie Mora. Mega Food Premium Whole Food Supplements are the only supplements crafted from scratch with farm fresh whole foods to deliver nourishment the way nature intended. Mega Food believes Mother Nature knows best. They select only fresh whole food, harvested at the peak of ripeness, handle it gently and with care to deliver its vital essence to you in every bottle. Mega Food, from farm to tablet, our name is our promise. For more information, visit us online at megafood.com. Zymogen is pleased to announce the arrival of Fit Food, a delicious, high-quality, functional food that's formulated to support weight management, healthy body composition, glycemic management, cardiovascular and immune health, and more. Each delicious serving of Fit Food contains 21 grams of pure New Zealand-sourced bioactive whey protein, 6 grams of fiber-immune-supporting oat beta-glucan, and additional glutamine, glycine, taurine, and MCTs. Fit Food provides holistic support for today's active body. Learn more at Zymogen.com. Available now through your healthcare professional and Village Green Apothecary. All over the world, people are beginning to discover fish oil is one of the best secrets for unlocking great health. Thousands of studies have shown the amazing effects of these powerful omega-3s for heart health. Plus, fish oils have even been shown to balance moods and lessen anxiety. With exceptional taste, unrivaled freshness, and unsurpassed purity, Nordic Naturals is the easy way to get your omega-3s every day. To learn more, visit Village Green Apothecary or visit nordicnaturals.com. Nordic Naturals, committed to the planet, committed to pure and great-tasting omega oils. The brain requires nutrition just like the rest of the body. And this is where Gero Formula's Neuro Optimizer comes to the rescue. Neuro Optimizer is a concentrated source of nutrients needed for memory, mood, concentration, and focus. Neuro Optimizer supplies the building blocks for neurotransmitters, the chemicals that allow cells in the brain to communicate and to file away memories. Neuro Optimizer is the nutritional answer to the brain's needs. To learn more about formulas, visit Gero.com. Gero Formulas, available at Village Green Apostle. Hi, I'm Gail Isaacson, owner of Village Green Apothecary, where we've been specializing in meeting your unique health care needs for over 50 years. Our passion is helping you to get to your root cause of health conditions. At Village Green Apothecary, our expert team of pharmacists and clinical nutritionists offer guidance on diet, nutrients, and pharmaceuticals to empower you with personalized recommendations just for you. Plus, we offer lab testing and nutritional consultations to optimize your health plan. Visit Village Green Apothecary in Bethesda or online at myvillage.com. Welcome back, listeners, to the third segment of The Essentials of Healthy Living on 1500 AM, brought to you by Village Green Apothecary. We're here every Sunday morning at 10 AM, and I'll be with you again next Sunday with more information on nutrition and healthy living. Now, our guest today is Katie Mora, registered dietitian, also has her MS, and is a licensed dietitian nutritionist. We're talking about the gut health, and Katie, can you go forward? We talked about the importance of the microbiome, the importance of fermented foods, uh, in addition to 
probiotics. Probiotic supplements should be supplementing the diet. Let's talk about IBS and IBD and what's the difference and what people can do about it. Sure. So IBS, which is my specialty, is irritable bowel syndrome. So that's kind of what most people think of when you hear like gas, bloating, diarrhea, constipation, bloody stool. It can be a mixed situation. Someone might be constipated more often or to have diarrhea more often. Um, so that's about, you know, two and three women have IBS and it's uh, pretty prevalent. There's about up to 45 million people in the U.S., I believe, that are diagnosed with IBS with no understanding as to why. And that differentiates a little bit to IBD, which is inflammatory bowel disease. Inflammatory bowel disease encompasses uh, Crohn's and ulcerative colitis, those are inflammatory um, conditions driven by autoimmunity. So someone's immune system is attacking itself. So in this case, the gut in some area of the gut. Okay. So they're pretty different in the way you address them, the diets, all of that. That's a huge difference in my opinion. But IBS, I think, is interesting because of the way traditional healthcare really approaches it versus a functional approach. So what do you recommend for the person that's had a diagnosis of IBS? Sure. So if you usually, and you've gone to your primary, you've gone to your GI doctor, and they've, they've either, maybe they've given you a medication like Zyfaxin, also known as Rifaximin, which is going to help them, but right, the patient's going to come back three weeks later and say, my symptoms are all back because the root causes are not being addressed. So they're giving you something to clear out bacteria but it's not telling you why is that bacteria there in the first place, if you will. So I like to kind of dive deeper. I, I in my practice, do stool, you know, comprehensive stool testing and breath testing to look at the small intestine. So that's a good starting place for somebody. And a lot of, you know, you can find practitioners in the area than any area really that will do these tests for you. But diets also, I mean, I look at the right diet, figuring out what food sensitivities somebody may have, what's triggering things. And I always treat somebody by looking at their digestive output. So I always think the root cause of the root cause is always if someone has low stomach acid or low digestive enzyme output, that needs to be addressed first. So even simply at home, somebody could try something like apple cider vinegar or do a baking soda test to test if they have low acid. That's easy to Google and figure out and safe to do. You know, that's uh, you, you've been very succinct in this, and it's easy to understand and that comprehensive uh, stool testing goes way beyond just looking mm-hmm. for parasites. Uh, what yeah. else are you looking for, Katie, in that test? I use the the same testing, yeah. but I'd like you to describe it. Yeah, so it looks at a lot. It tells your practitioner a lot. So it's looking at, like we were talking about before, the balance in the microbiome. So you can have something overgrowing and it be okay. It just depends on the person, the symptoms, the immune system. But we're looking at all the bacterial levels, both good and bad, and where those are at. We're looking at yeast production, different strains, and is it in abundance or is it a healthy level? We're looking at tons of parasitic infections. And actually, I look a lot at foodborne illness because that can cause about 60 to 80% of IBS for a lot of people um, chronically. And then I look at different inflammatory markers and kind of differentiate, do you have IBD or do you have IBS? Is there a potential there? Is does somebody have celiac? Does somebody have a gluten sensitivity and leaky gut and all of that? You can tell from a stool test, which yes. is pretty, 
pretty great. <laughs> it is. I. It's a remarkable amount of information. Uh, looking mm-hmm. at digestion, immunity in the gut, um, and also the good flora and possible pathogens. Yeah. Um, not just parasites. It seems like if you don't have parasites, you're okay. Go home. No. Um, when we're looking at, again, what you said, balance. Uh, exactly. Uh, Alessi, and if you understand the microbiome, you know, if your practitioner understands the microbiome, they can connect. So if you come in with, I don't know, chronic kidney stones, somebody can look at your gut and see that oxalobacter is low and that might be contributing to your kidney stones. So yes, there's a lot, you might not come in with IBS symptoms, but you might have, um, you know, rheumatoid arthritis and somebody might be able to say, okay, this person has a Klebsiella bacterial overgrowth. So, which is very connected in the research. I'm so glad you mentioned celiac disease because it underlies many diagnoses of IBS mm-hmm. and IBD. And if it's not addressed, you've got a permanent patient yeah. who will oh, permanently be on medications. And I've often said to patients, you know, you, you need to go off gluten based on mm-hmm. tests. And we also do it not based on tests because there's mm-hmm. a significant number of non-celiac gluten intolerance people. And it's a good way to figure it out. And people say, no, I have IBD. That's yeah. okay. I have IBS. What underlies the mm-hmm. irritation that will not allow your gut to heal? And exactly. one patient said, no, I'm fine. I said, stop your meds. What's going to happen? Oh, I can't mm-hmm. do that. Well, <laughs> then we're not getting to the cause. I, I'm a dental hygienist by training, and I go back to if you've got a toothache, you can get a mm-hmm. pain pill, or you can solve why there's a toothache. And it, it seems very simple to me, but I'm amazed how many physicians aren't even open to the fact that there are other conditions a patient can have that can be promoting mm-hmm. and perpetuating IBS and IBD. I do think it's interesting. One of the things as a dietitian that, you know, grinds my gears a little bit is when you go into most doctors that are kind of more close-minded to this stuff, they, they don't even address food. They're not like food at all is contributing to your IBS, which blows my mind because you're eating 24-7. So what you're putting in your body in some way is going to affect the way that you feel. Right. That's just I feel I could I don't know how you can even deny that portion. So to not even trial a diet elimination with someone, whether it's minimal or the whole elimination diet is kind of blows my mind that more doctors don't see. Maybe, you know, maybe it is gluten, maybe it's dairy. We don't know until they remove it. Right. And uh, I'm coming from a long history of this where it was quackery to tell people to stop certain foods Um, Mm -hmm. And I had a doctor, a GI doctor, call and say, you've been working with this patient, and she doesn't need surgery. What are you doing? Mm -hmm. And when I told about food intolerance testing and removing, he says, that's all bunk. I said, it's your patient. And she's not the only one that gets results. And it's very interesting. Uh, Somebody... They need to open their ears up and just hear and learn from patients, yeah. actually. It'd be interesting for them to come into a practice like ours because 
we tend to get, I mean, we get a lot of people trying to prevent, uh, you know, illness and stay well, but we get people who have seen five doctors and no one can figure out what's wrong. And, and sometimes we take it down to the basics, like you're saying, and it works. And that's to me, like science, go ahead and look at it if you want, but it works every single day. So it's just, you know, the, if you listen to your patient and you listen to their diet and their story and their stress, you usually can figure out what's wrong. You don't always need a test. Exactly. And using probiotics, and I always like to use biotin. Uh, it's very benign. It's the unsung mm-hmm. hero of the gut, in my opinion. And I, biotin prevents yeast pathogenic overgrowth. And so mm-hmm. I'm, I favor it. Uh, it's inexpensive. It's easy to use. And it has no known toxicity, which is, mm-hmm. you can't say that about water. <laughs> No, um, and there's not, if you look on a stool test, or I mean, I'm sorry, on a micronutrient test, most people who have gut issues are low in biotin. Yes, and and we do, we look at that. Um, So you and I are in in the same arena, and it's a pleasure to talk to you on this. Uh, Any quick comments about IBS and IBD, something else patients can do besides removing culprit foods? I tell people sure. it's not the food you don't eat that makes you yeah. sick. It's the food you love and crave and eat every day. Okay, take it out. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, the two things I would think of if, that we haven't addressed yet, which we maybe in the future we can. I, the two things would be, one, if you've had any abdominal surgeries or you've had C-sections, gallbladder removals, you're probably going to have some scar tissue adhesion to your intestines causing and contributing to some of the IBS symptoms. So I usually recommend someone who does like myofascial release to work on, you know, their ileocecal valves connecting the intestines and working on any scar tissue because they can loosen that. Yes. So that's something I never see really recommended. And the other would be looking at hormones because things like your thyroid, I mean, over 50% of people who have hypothyroidism are going to have IBS symptoms. So that is huge. That's why two and three women probably have a diagnosis of IBS. So if you can see a practitioner, I mean, find somebody who can do a full thyroid panel on you and address your hormones. Because if your hormones aren't working, your gut's not going to be working. Right. And you said full uh, thyroid panel. I call it looking at all the legs on the table. It's really important. Mm So we'll carry this conversation forward, folks, if you've just tuned in with us. I'm Dana Lake, your host for the hour on Essentials of Healthy Living on 1500 AM. We're brought to you by Village Green Apothecary. Stay with us, folks. We're going to be right back after this brief break, and we're going to hear more interesting information on gut health, the microbiome, from Katie Moore. Solgar number no. 7 can help you feel the difference. Solgar number no. 7 actually shows improvement in joint comfort within 7 days. Now you can start to get back on track fast and pursue the activities you love. Solgar number no. 7 is a breakthrough in joint care with no glucosamine and no chondroitin. The advanced bioactives in Solgar number no. 7 help to increase flexibility, mobility, and range of motion within 7 days. One capsule once a day is all you need. When stiff joints occasionally say no, Solgar number no. 7 says yes. Solgar number seven available at village green apothecary new from garden of life kind organics multivitamins that's right certified organic made with the highest quality standards uncooked untreated unadulterated non-gmo certified vegan and gluten-free 
Kind Organics Multivitamins from Garden of Life. Be kind to your body and the earth. Kind Organics, now available at Village Green Apothecary and online at myvillagegreen.com. Pure Defense with NAC offers a unique blend of hypoallergenic nutrients and herbal extracts designed to support overall immune defense and upper respiratory health. The product features Epicor fermentate, elderberry, and N-acetyl-L-cysteine, nutrients and flavonoids for enhancing first-line immune defense. Pure Defense with NAC can be found at Village Green Apothecary and online at myvillagegreen.com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. These products are not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Some things are hard to stomach, and life doesn't stop for occasional immune challenges or intestinal distress. ProBalarti from Metagenics offers a new targeted probiotic approach for intestinal support. Help maintain control while traveling or as a follow-up to antibiotic therapy to support intestinal flora for healthy intestinal function. ProBalarti provides ID-certified probiotic strains suggested by research to enhance certain aspects of immune function in addition to promoting a healthy balance of intestinal microflora. ProBalarti is the go-to probiotic for patients on the go. Get it today. Available through your healthcare professional and Village Green Apothecary. Have you ever wondered why the cold and flu season occurs in the fall and winter months? One theory is because of a decrease in sun exposure, our bodies don't make enough vitamin D, which is essential to proper immune function. That's why medical experts recommend supplementing with vitamin D. Thorne Research's vitamin D products are made from pure vitamin D with no preservatives or unnecessary ingredients added. Support your immune system with Thorne's vitamin D1000 and D5000. These and other immune-supporting formulas are always available at Village Green. Welcome back, listeners, to today's final segment of The Essentials of Healthy Living on 1500 AM, brought to you by Village Green Apothecary at 5415 West Cedar Lane in Bethesda, Maryland. I'm Dana Lake, and I do alternate the show with Dr. Kevin Passaro. We try to bring you a lot of really good information all about you and your health. Now, we've been having an interesting conversation with Katie Moore, registered dietitian, master's in science, and she's a licensed dietitian nutritionist. She is a forward-thinking functional medicine practitioner, and we're focusing on the gut health from a functional medicine perspective. We've talked about the microbiome. We've talked about irritable bowel syndrome, inflammatory bowel disease, and all of the culprits that lead to these problems. So uh, let's talk about SIBO. Tell us what SIBO stands for, S-I-B-O, and how people, how people get SIBO and how they can avoid it as well. Sure. So SIBO, just it's an acronym. It stands for Small Intestinal Bacterial Overgrowth. So a lot of people think this is bad bacteria, and that is not the case. It's bacteria in the wrong place. So your small intestine should be pretty sterile, shouldn't have bacteria there. It should primarily be in your large intestine, colon area. So the way I think of it is there's a very medical way to say it is there's a party happening in the attic when it should be in the basement. <laughs> so why is that bacteria there is the question. And just generally speaking, the SIBO causes about 60 to 80% of the uh, IBS diagnosis, and it causes things like gas, bloating, diarrhea, constipation. I commonly hear, like, I look six months pregnant after eating. That's a big one. So if your stomach's getting really distended after eating, there's a a good chance you might have uh, bacteria in the wrong place. But this is 
I think really interesting because it's not really addressed often and it's right. It's like 80% of the reason that you're having these symptoms. So it should be focused on more. And to me, a lot of people still don't really know how to diagnose or treat this properly. Yes, that is a problem. And you and I were talking um, during the break about the frequency uh, yeah. that it's increased. And and tell us a little bit about why you think it. there's so sure. much of it now. So I think we we're talking about one reason. I do think that the testing is coming out and more functional medicine practitioners are talking about it. So the um, awareness around it and the amount that we're testing it is increasing. So that's probably the likelihood why there is an increase in the diagnosis. But there are also, on the other hand, some of the main causes as to why someone would have bacteria there is the overconsumption of simple carbohydrates and sugar in the diet, the increase of medications like those acid reducers and antibiotics and even morphine and codeine are going to lead to an increased risk of having SIBO. And then stress is a huge one. So stress is getting worse and worse, in my opinion, and that is going to reduce the amount of acid, motility, ever, you know, it's the fight or flight response. If you are constantly in a state of fight, all the blood flow and all the energy that should be going to your gut for digestion is now going to your limbs so you can run like you could run from a tiger. So we're not having that proper, you know, motility that we used to have or should have, and that affects something called the peristalsis wave. Um there also is a lot more with all the surgeries like we talked about are happening in the gut and gastric bypass and C-sections. Those are all increasing. So I think all the things that can be contributing to SIBO are also increasing. And that makes sense. Um, you, yeah. you know, the stress effect is so major. It's why people mm-hmm. are told not to swim immediately after eating. Yeah. And yep. uh, there's a reason for that, but... I don't think it's translated into what's happening in my gut. So exactly. how talk about the test, because I think uh, it's sure. interesting that we didn't test for this before, and now we have a pretty easy mm-hmm. test. Yeah, so there's two kinds of tests right now. I believe they're coming out with a third, but there's a hydrogen breath test and there's a lactulous breath test. So they're just, it's essentially a A test you can do in a GI's office or you can do at home where you're drinking a solution, that's a sugar solution, intended to feed bacteria if it's in that, in the small intestine. So you're breathing into a tube for a couple hours and, you know, 15-minute increments looking for gas production. So fibers, sugars will feed these bacteria and cause the byproduct of gas. And by looking at different what kind of gas is produced, we can tell what kind of potential bacteria and treatment you should have. So it's not a one-size-fits-all approach there. And what is the difference when the hydrogen breath test is positive versus the lact, uh, lactulose? Lactulose. So they both have pros and cons. Um, the lactulose is a, uh, it's a laxative, essentially. So part of the problem with that testing is you can have a lot of false positives. So if somebody has diarrhea-predominant IBS and they drink a laxative, it's probably going to go through too quickly and feed the colon bacteria, causing an elevation. So that's where you have to, like, really understand the gut, the body, and, like, the, the patient. Because yes. you can have false elevation. And then on the opposite end, the hydrogen can have a lot of false negatives. So you're kind of having to choose the test a little bit more correctly for what's going on with your patient. But if you're somebody who specializes in SIBO, per se, you can often also just tell 
what what's going on with the patient by asking the right questions, which I think is even more helpful. So like certain foods and things that they respond to, you can make an assumption. Okay, so if lactulose is the problem, what does the person do? If I would recommend the hydrogen breath test at that point. Okay. Okay. Switching routes a little bit there. Okay. But we tend to in practice use the lactulose a bit more than the hydrogen often oh. the solution. So, I mean, it really depends on what's going on, but if the, if the symptoms match the result, it's likely that that is a true positive. Okay, so that's good to know. And yeah. uh, so basically, let's talk about diet first. What needs to change? Sure. It's pretty obvious. It's yeah. it's the sugar. Yeah, I mean, ever there are a lot of diets out there, and it can actually be very confusing for having IBS. But the one I primarily use is actually a combination of a FODMAP and specific carb diet. Uh-huh. So that is removing highly fermentable carbohydrates. So that can be anything from your the sugar we're talking about to garlic, which is easily fermented by bacteria in the gut. So this isn't a forever thing. This is just during treatment, but um, you sometimes have to remove a lot of the things people love <laughs> just for a few months in order to be able to get starve out that bacteria. Okay. So in doing this, what else can a patient uh, take are there probiotics or nutrients that help yeah. and make a difference? So I actually, it's a controversial topic, but I do not give probiotics to somebody yes. at SIBO because probiotics themselves can feed the bacteria and or be what is actually the bacteria in the small intestine. Right. So I actually do not do, occasionally I'll use Saccharomyces boulardii that tends to be benign and helpful, um, but I never give, and you'll hear a lot of these patients tell you when I take a probiotic, I'm gassy and bloated. And doesn't ever go away. <laughs> so usually I don't um, do probiotics or fermented foods for that period of time that you're treating. But uh, a lot of nutrients, I use a lot of biofilm busters and things, herbals like, and for those who don't know what a biofilm is, it's just a protective layer that bacteria and yeast can form around things in the gut. So you need to poke a hole through that so your herbs you use can work better. And those I tend to use, it depends on the kind of gas and bacteria that's happening, but a lot of easy things you've heard of, like oil of oregano and neem oil and, you know, garlic extract and things that you may have heard of are actually very powerful in this situation. Now, as far as garlic extract, um, Mm -hmm. do the allicin concentrations that are common in in the garlic extract or common as an Uh agent that's antibiotic, and I say that, mm-hmm. I should say anti-pathogenic is probably a better way yeah. to say it. Um, is is the allicin part of that? Do, do you so use the concentrate? I do. I usually use the allium extract. Because uh-huh. If you get any of the fiber chains, it's going to feed. So you can't just take garlic. You know, right. That's actually off the diet plan. Yeah. But it's usually, I, I like a certain product called Alamed. I don't know if I'm allowed to use yes. products. <laughs> But that's I what I that. use. It's pretty cost. Yeah, it's a great product. Um, it's very pulsy, but it's very effective. And it's usually at about like 450 milligrams in a dose. And I do that a few times a day. Good. And the neem oil you mentioned. Um, yeah. What an oil of oregano, correct? Yes, and I use a lot of berberine. 
So this this should speed up healing. Yeah. So a lot of people go on the diet alone thinking they're getting rid of something, and that's not enough. That's just yes. starving some of the bacteria. You have to have a multifaceted approach where you're also killing things off before you can, like, replace and fix things. So those are – I use at least two to three herbs in combination. So I usually use, like, uh, if it's, you know, diarrhea predominant, I'll use more, like, berberine and oregano. Uh-huh. If it's methane dominant, which is constipation, uh-huh. I use the allicin and and kill off the hydrogen as well. There's always going to be that hydrogen bacterial component if you have that methane. So those are just the gases you're looking for. Okay, so the, the methane production is a problem in many ways on our planet. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So in healing, um, what else can a patient do? I mean, this is, I work with patients on this, and it's tough. These are two it's really tough hard. diets, and people yeah, have to be prepared. Oh, absolutely, because if you're not going to go full in on this and fix it, you're not going to get rid of it, and it's going to exhaust you both like physically and energetically and mentally. So um, one of the biggest things just simplistically diet-wise I do is I do a lot of meal spacing and intermittent fasting because if you are constantly eating and snacking, you're constantly feeding the bacteria. So I like to kind of space things out by like three or four hours and do like a 12 to 16-hour fast at night. So that's something super easy people can start implementing in their life. Excellent. Um, I'm just yeah. in the process of editing our uh, cookbook that's specific to autism. Oh, wow. And this is something yeah. uh, we cover these diets. Well, I wish we could continue to talk. We'll have you I back know. another time, Katie. I want to thank you for joining us. Thank you. And listeners, thank you for joining us on The Essentials of Healthy Living on 1500 AM. Just a reminder, you can access this show or any of the previous shows through myvillagegreen.com. You can also access it through each ehlradio.com. That will get you right to the source. And as our lives move forward, I'm always reminded every day is a new day, every minute a new minute, giving us many opportunities to make many positive, health-enhancing choices. I also like this saying, the meaning of life is to find your gift. The purpose of life is to give it away. And I want you to remember, it's not the number of breaths you take. It's the moments that take your breath away. This is Dana Lake and Village Green wishing each and every one of you good health and a breathtaking day. Did you know at Village Green Apothecary, we offer everyday savings on top quality nutritional supplements, including herbs and homeopathic remedies, plus personal care products and more. That's right. In addition to our big sales events, you can save up to 20% on most everything you need for a healthier lifestyle today and every day. At Village Green, we care about our customers. We've been providing the best nutrition and healthy living products for over 50 years. Stop by Village Green Apothecary in Bethesda at 5415. West Cedar Lane or visit our website at myvillagegreen.com.